Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shiv Gulani, and today on Raise Line, I'm really happy to be joined by Tess Michaels, who's the founder and CEO of Stride Funding, which offers a more flexible alternative to traditional student loans via income share agreements. Prior to starting Stride, she worked in healthcare investment banking and private equity and founded Sociana, a company which helps support corporate volunteerism. Tess was just named to the Forbes 30 under 30 education list. And I'd like to thank Jeff Buskang, who is an investor in osmosis at Flybridge, and he's an instructor at Harvard Business School for introducing Tess to me in the first place. So Tess, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Chip. So can you start by telling us a bit more about your background and what got you interested first in healthcare investment banking and then ultimately starting Stride Funding? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Growing up, I actually began my career more focused in the healthcare space. So I studied biology in undergrad and spent years doing research, have a lot of respect for healthcare professionals. And through that journey, I'd always recognized that while I loved healthcare, I also loved driving mission-driven businesses and supporting individuals through that. And so my personal background was I had you know, studied, as I mentioned, biology and impact investing in undergrad, had my first experience really building a mission-driven startup really enjoyed the operations and also the ability to scale pretty swiftly and you know founded stride from a, a very much a student first perspective so i was actually an incoming graduate student at harvard thinking about my own financing options and talking to peers and recognized that most students are forced to take fairly rigid traditional student loans and income share agreements were a much more novel way to really offer affordability flexibility and given my personal experience and coming from a background with a family of healthcare professionals, I realized that the you know healthcare field was one where we could really directly impact students that we believed were doing you know inspiring work and needed the financial support to pursue careers that they were excited about. And so that was really the the initial impetus. That's awesome. So obviously, there's a lot of you know everyone talks about COVID right now, but student loans is for the last decade has been described as you know the next financial bubble right after the mortgage crisis in 2008-2009. Can you give us an overview of the problems around student loans right now? And then what are income share agreements? Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about traditional student loans, the primary pain points are that, A, most students are repaying for 10 to 20 years, right? So you're trying to make life decisions around potentially having a family or buying a house and still left this huge burden around these repayments that are so lengthy. Second is that during periods that students are struggling financially, let's say they're furloughed, like in a COVID market, a traditional student loan accrues interest. It accrues interest not only while you're in school, but also during periods of, of non-repayment. And that obviously, you know, quickly increases the cost for the student. And then beyond that, there's not really incentive alignment, right? The Private lenders are not incentivized to really help students succeed because they owe the same amount whether or not they successfully graduate, whether or not they are successfully placed into a meaningful career. So those are the main pain points that we look to solve with Stride and and through income share agreements. So the whole thesis here is that the income share agreement, first of all, our contracts are much shorter duration. They're five years in length, which allows students to really finish their repayments and then move on with the rest of their life. Second, they're really flexible. When students earn less, they pay less because the concept is instead of principal and interest, students pay a fixed percentage of income over a set number of years. 
And usually it's a single digit percentage of income, so a reasonable cost for the student. And then lastly, everyone is incentivized to help the student succeed because we do well, the school does well, the student does well, if we are able to really help students not only graduate, but find meaningful careers. And so we invest pretty heavily in career support and we have partnerships with big players like UWorld to give students access to NCLEX Press as just an example. And so that I think is something that has really kept us fired up about the mission and, and really seeing you know, the levels of engagement that we have with our students. That's awesome. And, and so the reason we were first introduced by Jeff was, you know, one of the biggest barriers for people pursuing higher education or, or job changes is debt that they may accumulate because maybe they're already paying off debt from undergrad. And now they, you know, before they decide to go to farm school or medical school, which are very expensive, right? The median debt of a medical student graduating is $200,000. And so can you, can you give us a sense of like what percentage of the students, like any, any stats you can share about Strides yeah. funding so far, and then what percentage of your students are going into healthcare or already in, in healthcare careers? Absolutely. So based on your second question, so the vast majority of our students are healthcare students. I would say probably about 80% of our students are healthcare students in our, in our university fund. And that to me has, you know, been really exciting because we're able to tailor all of our career support and the work we do to those to those professions. We typically focus on students that are within two years of graduation, usually BSNs, MSNs, physicians assistants. Those are core markets that we we think about as you know the stride student. And then as far as how we think about you know the the structure, we we typically say, tell students always take grants and scholarships first, then look at your subsidized federal loans. And where we really differentiate is when you're looking at private loans, unsubsidized federal loans, and then a stride ISA. And that's really where we think, you know, we can support students. Got it. That makes sense. And, and to date, I mean, I know you just recently started the company a couple of years ago. Yeah. Whatever you can share in terms of like how many students you're reaching. Yeah, absolutely. So to date, we have funded students at over 65 universities across the U.S. And that's growing pretty rapidly. And Many of them are just your top nursing schools that you'll see across the U.S. I mean, we funded students at NYU and Columbia, Carnegie Mellon, you know, Penn State, et cetera. And it has been you know, such a pleasure, honestly, just seeing the uptake and also the word of mouth, right? We'll fund one student, let's say, at Northeastern's nursing school, and the next day we'll have 18 more students apply. And that's something that we think is powerful about the message that we're creating and also the experience students have when going through the process. That's awesome. That's really encouraging. So I'm here in Utah now, and I've gotten to know Austin Allred from Lambda School pretty well. Obviously, Lambda and, and his former co-founder, Ben Nelson, who lives only a couple of miles from me. And they obviously did a really great job early on in Lambda School and popularized the idea of ISAs, which for, for computer science and data science. And what Stride, to me, is pretty unique because yeah. you're focusing on healthcare careers, which is obviously something that we need a lot more of that the COVID pandemic made super yeah. aware now, one of the challenges of ISA is that people sometimes mention is it's like, again, this, not to be insulting, but sometimes they say it's like indentured servitude almost of like, do people know what they're getting mm -hmm. into? How do you respond to that? Because I know anytime you're trying to innovate, there's always going to be naysayers. But what are your, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, so there's a few pieces we think about. First of all, when you inherently think about when students need the most support, it's during the tough times of their life, right? They had family emergency, a health crisis. They've been laid off from their job. And that's exactly the moment when an income share agreement is there to support you in a way that a traditional student loan is not. And so I'd actually say, if anything, you know, the handcuffs or the binding is much worse and more burdensome with a, with a traditional loan than what you see with a flexible ISA. Second thing is 
transparency in education is really key. This is a newer form of financing school. And that makes it interesting, but that also improves and or increases the imperative for us as a provider to really make sure that students know exactly what they are signing up for. And so on the front end, we have tools where you can go on our website today at stridefunding.com, put in your program, your major, the school you're attending and how much you want to borrow. And you will get to play with exactly what your payments look like over time compared to all of your alternatives. You'll type in what your private loan costs look like, what your income share agreement costs look like. And you can actually toggle, what do you think you're going to earn? What do you think your raise rates are? And see what those monthly and total costs look like. And if it's the right option for you, great. If not, no worries. In addition to that, we have comprehension quizzes to make sure that students really understand the product. And then once they are actually accepted into our Stride community, we immediately onboard them into career support and make sure that they're getting value beyond just the financing. And so that we're really able to be not just a provider, but a real partner in this process with them. That's awesome. That sounds super comprehensive. Any education company, obviously, you know, education for the sake of education was what liberal arts is for. But you guys are very practical. Like, let's get people, more people into nursing. Let's get more people into PA, medicine, et cetera. Yeah. Now, as far as partnerships go, a lot of education companies do wind up forming partnerships with employers to help increase the chances of employment. Is that on your roadmap, like basically getting some of the people who've gone through stride funding to actually a place? So that obviously de-risks your business model? Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about career support, you know, it's four buckets for us, right? One is just content. We, we create and send our students, you know, lots of content around how to negotiate salaries, how to think about, you know, they're saving while in school, et cetera. The second is around exam prep, which I alluded to some of the resources like NCLEX prep, et cetera. Third is really around getting a job, right? So cover letters, you know, mock interviews, AI tools to determine, you know, is your resume missing certain keywords, et cetera. And then the last piece, which is one that we are now spending a lot of time in is actually building relationships with employers like large hospital systems or for our other STEM students, technology companies and actually thinking through ways to build relationships where we can help place students. That is something that is right now something we're actively engaging on, and I hope is that it starts picking up pace, especially as the market evolves and healthcare continues to see such strong demand and supply gaps, right? So, yeah. That's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. One of our favorite partnerships at Osmosis is with financial aid offices. We've done like a scholarship for health professional students and then also a faculty award then another partnership we did was with the White Coat Investor, who I don't know if you've come across or know, White Coat Investor, WCI. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he, he talks a lot about the different ways to fund student loans, mostly for an MDDO audience, but the same applies, obviously, for PAs and NPs and others. So I'm glad that you all are working on that education around career transitions, but also student loans. You know, we also had a guest on the podcast, Dan Rosenswag from Chag, who's the CEO of Chag, and Again, until COVID, like, and even now, he's been a leader and Chegg has been a leader in terms of the student loan debate and crisis. How do you think COVID is affecting the student loan crisis as a whole? Yeah, so it's been really fascinating to just see our student demand during COVID. So, so we have seen a big spike in demand. We were, we were experiencing, especially in the early days of COVID, 4x month-on-month spikes in our student volume, which was you know, shocking because you know, the, the market is is obviously being meaningfully affected. But the real effect was that students were becoming more and more cautious about how to pay for school and much more thoughtful on what alternatives do exist. The question is, A, is it worth it to go back to school in this uncertain market? And if so, how do I make sure that, you know, I am setting myself up for success? And I think 
there was a lot more doubt on what the employment market looked like once students graduated. And so having a product that flexes your payments based on that employment success became all the more important. And beyond that, I will say, you know, we've also seen tailwinds in certain parts of the market. So and we continue to see really strong success with our traditional university healthcare students. We also see a lot of growth in the online market. So students doing, you know, a master's or bachelor's in nursing, but online through a traditional degree program. That is a lower cost program that during COVID, I think folks had become more comfortable with. And then, of course, you mentioned Lambda. You know, I think there's a huge spike in enrollment that we see in the alternative education market where students are looking for these shorter form courses that help them upskill or reskill. And that is an area we've definitely begun to play pretty heavily in during COVID. So That's really interesting. So what's like the minimum maximum amount you would loan out? So as I mentioned, you know, again, typically students already have taken subsidized federal loans. And so we're really looking at that gap funding they need. We'll fund up to $25,000. Our minimum funding size is, is $5,000. That's per year. So if a student is staying with us for two years, we'll fund them $50,000. And then typically we've seen that's amenable for what they need for these, these nursing programs or PA programs as GAP. Got it. That makes sense. Now, you guys have obviously been growing really quickly, recently raised around the funding. What are your goals for like the next year and three years? Yeah. So I think for us, at least, you know, 2021, hopefully will be another strong year. And I think the primary areas we look at are one, continuing to just increase the you know presence we have on different campuses. Pre-COVID, we had a really robust campus ambassador program, a really great you know student network. I think one is just really thinking through that piece. And alongside that, really building out the career support tools. So we have a full career support portal and weekly content that students are seeing, but actually having more student feedback on what they need and where gaps we can fill and then building those employer relationships are top of mind. The second is thinking through ways that we can just increase awareness of the product through partnerships with universities. Oftentimes, as soon as a student learns about an income share agreement, they're immediately much more attracted to this versus their alternatives. But actually increasing you know, the knowledge or education around the product is really critical. And then beyond that, from a personal company perspective, we've been hiring pretty rapidly, growing our actual business, improving the reporting and analytics so that we can track kind of the impact that we're creating and, and the volumes that we're we're delivering on. And I think, you know, building out the team and the product and continuing to grow our own runway is, is really critical, as you can imagine, for any business like Osmosis or, or Stride. So. Yeah, there's some of the same things we're, we're kind of talking through, especially at the turn of the new year with uh, budgeting 21. Yeah. As you know, we have a large audience of current and future healthcare professionals, including a lot of pre-health students. What advice would you give to them right now, whether it's about student loans or about meeting the challenges of the COVID pandemic and beyond planning their careers? Yeah. So there's a few things I think about. One is, first of all, you know, for those of you who are already in healthcare or applying to a degree program in healthcare, you know, huge kudos. It's amazing to just see the continued growth in the demand for those jobs and also, you know, the stability that you see in those professions. But beyond that, I, I would say, you know, healthcare is a unique profession where you have the ability to go to a lower cost school and have very similar outcomes as far as your earnings. And that is something that I clearly pursued my MBA where where you go to school, you see huge variability for business across going to a Harvard versus a, let's say, a local school. That is not the case for healthcare. You look at physicians, assistants, nurses. If you grew up in Texas and you have an amazing program in Texas near you, 
it might not sound as fun or exciting as going to, let's just say, a really big private school in New York, but the cost that you incur is not going to be commensurate to the actual outcome difference that you will see between those different locations in school. So, you know, where you go to school matters far less than where you end up being employed, but the stability and variability of earnings itself is actually very tight. So be thoughtful on that because oftentimes we'll see students who are just taking on unnecessary amounts of debt and then stuck for years and years and years paying that back, wondering why they made that choice. So be thoughtful on that. Beyond that, love the profession push through. I mean, again, I grew up in a household of physicians and nurses. My mom's a doctor, both my grandparents, all of my aunts and uncles. I mean, this is something I really care about. And so again, it's an amazing profession. Enjoy the time, form good good study groups and get through it because once you made it, make it on the other side, it seems like you're off to, to greener pastures. So. That's some really great advice. And actually, it reminds me of something that we were told because I went to med school at Hopkins where I started osmosis. And there was a, a joke when you were touring different med schools, which is, what do you call the MD that graduates last in their class? An MD. Doctor. Yeah, exactly. And so, and like, you know, more so having gone to HBS and the variability, you're totally right, right? Like the job opportunities coming out of a business program or a law program, totally different. Yeah. You know, if you graduate community college nursing program or a private nursing program, because ultimately they just want to know it's very much more skills based as opposed to network based. Exactly. So exactly. Now, is there anything else you'd like to be able to share with our audience about you, about Stride, student loans, anything else that we didn't cover? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, again, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a pleasure. I, you know, I would say, you know, first, for those of you who are listening who are interested in potentially going off and doing something on your own, whether it's starting your own practice or, you know, doing your own venture in the healthcare space. I mean, it is a ride. Surround yourself with people who motivate you and who have that drive and that hunger. And don't be scared of taking the leap. With that being said, I, I would say if you are looking at doing a very traditional path and you do think about funding needs, again, I mentioned, please check out stridefunding.com. Check a quote. If, if you're not currently looking for funding, but you know a friend who is, Part of the battle is if we're going to try and reduce the student debt crisis, it takes a bottoms-up approach. We each need to be more proactive on thinking about what alternatives exist and what affordability really means and what support really can look like. And my hope is that it ends up being a great experience, whether it's for you or your friends. I also am always looking for feedback on ways we can support healthcare professionals better and expand the offerings that we currently have. And so, again, that would be my key takeaways. And if anyone wants to shoot me an email at any point, it's just testedstridefunding.com. I'm usually very responsive and would love any and all input and thoughts on the company, the idea, or just hearing about your own journey. That's awesome, Tess. Well, we'll definitely include those in the show notes. And I really appreciate you not only taking the time to be with us on the Raise Line podcast today, but more importantly, the work that you're doing to help improve the ability of people to pursue careers in healthcare, because that's obviously why we even launched this podcast is how do we improve healthcare capacity? And we want the best, brightest, most caring people to be able to become nurses and PAs and doctors and other health professionals and not look at the price tag to attend school as, as, the, as the main limiting factor. So thanks again for, for taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And with that, I'm Shay Vivani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, 
please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs>